to you wherever you're at whomever you're with we are so very glad that you are here with us this weekend we are in a series called at the movies we're using some of our favorite movies to let God speak to us through stories well the story that we're looking at this weekend is about the one and only or so we think the one and only spider-man how many of you were spider-man fans growing up uh, I know uh, I was able to memorize the the spider-man song the theme song could still sing it to you word for word uh, to this day, though I won't do that. Uh, in this next slide, you'll see a caricature of Spider-Man that I bought from my grandson. The cool thing about this guy, he's got a drop-down cavity in his chest. You can put uh, stones in there, a dime, uh, little toys. We were at a restaurant, and I surprised my grandson by putting a slab of butter in his cavity. Well, uh, a little... Uh, a backdrop on this uh, story that we're going to look at this weekend is called Into the Spider-Verse. And if you haven't yet seen the movie, uh, you're going to get a good idea of the plot line. And I would encourage you, uh, if it catches your interest, uh, take in the movie after this message. Well, it, it begs the question, how many of you have been bitten by a radioactive spider? Uh, maybe you have and you don't know it. And this movie will help you identify uh, if that has actually taken place. And, uh, you know, the statement is made, there's only one Spider-Man, and you're looking at him. But the truth is, uh, we find out as the movie goes on, there may be many different uh, heroes known as Spider-Man. In this slide, you see characters from a whole bunch of different dimensions uh, showing up as part of the story. But they all have this thing in common. They've been bitten by a radioactive spider. And again, the question is, is being bitten by a radioactive spider in the movies a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, which brings us to our main character. He's a teenager named Miles Morales. Now, uh, Miles has a dad who is a policeman. And as you can see in this shot, uh, that creates some issues between the two of them. Well, Miles uh, also has an uncle whom he is quite fond of, uh, unfortunately, his uncle Aaron has a dark side. He's also known as the Prowler. And uh, Miles' uncle Aaron, a.k.a. Prowler, he works for uh, really the main evil dude in the movie. It's this guy. His name is Kingpin. And uh, he is one bad character. He's trying to fire up this incredible machine known as a super collider. And uh, the reason he's firing up this machine is he's trying to open a wormhole in the universe. Now, stay with me here, uh, because he thinks that if he can, he can bring his wife and his child back, who were killed in a car accident after they fled the scene of Kingpin beating up on Spider-Man. Well, you might ask, well, what does all this have to do with our character Miles Morales? Well, 
Miles uh, won a lottery to attend the Brooklyn Visions Academy for Gifted Students, and uh, he doesn't like it at all. In fact, uh, Miles finds himself withering under the great expectations that the school and his father have for him. In fact, he just wants to be a normal kid in his own neighborhood. So uh, Miles visits his uncle with the dark side, who takes him to an abandoned subway terminal where he gives him some pointers on mural painting. Notice in this one, the words that uh, Miles painted were no expectations. And uh, he doesn't want uh, people putting things on him as Miles stops to admire his work and snap a photo. Uh, he doesn't realize that there's a spider uh, crawling down his shirt. We can all say, ooh. And uh, as he extends his camera to take a picture of the mural, uh, he is bitten by a radioactive spider. Well, uh, very quickly, uh, he starts to outgrow his clothes. Uh, not from overeating, it's from this uh, radioactive spider juice that is flowing through his veins. Uh, suddenly, the voices inside his head seem louder, and it amplifies his internal dilemmas. Uh, interestingly enough, during the pandemic, one of the best-selling books that was written was called Get Out of Your Head, and it highlights the point that all of us at times deal uh, with these voices in our own heads. Well, uh, the transition goes on. Uh, Miles starts sticking to things. Uh, to a girl, he will grow more attached to as the movie unfolds. And though he doesn't yet know it, this girl happens to be Spider-Gwen. He sticks to the floor. He sticks to the walls. He even sticks to the side of the academy building, as you see in this shot. While searching for answers, he returns to the scene of the bite uh, to try and assure himself that it was just a normal spider that bit him. And as he arrives there, uh, he is drawn into a story that's much bigger than anything he could have imagined. Uh, he he uh, comes upon uh, Peter Parker, the one and only Spider-Man, who's engaged in mortal combat with this evil guy, uh, Kingpin, and his dudes, his goons. He's trying, Spider-Man's trying to stop him from firing up the super collider that if it uh, is engaged, it will suck all of Brooklyn into a black hole. And uh, here's the scene as uh, Spider-Man is involved in this uh, incredible confrontation. Okay, so obviously Miles is uh, being drawn into a much bigger story than he had originally planned on. Doesn't exactly meet with his mural, no expectations. And uh, some of the dialogue that's significant in this scene is uh, Spider-Man has this sense that uh, Miles is like him. In fact, he says, I thought I was the only one. You're like me. Uh, to which Miles responds, yeah, but I don't want to be. I don't want to be like you. And uh, this reply, uh, I don't think you have a choice, kiddo, which really does beg the question, do we have a choice? Or does destiny sometime call us in spite of our self-made plans? Uh, uh, read a story a few years ago. A group of four brothers were vacationing in Ireland, and uh, they were on a, a shore a coastline, and uh, they saw a six-year-old girl on a flotation device. Suddenly, she was swept out to sea. And uh, interestingly enough, three of these four brothers had just completed Coast Guard lifesaver training. They just happened 
uh, to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, she was swept out over a mile away from shore. And as they rescued her uh, in that process, their dad was also swept out. They rescued him as well. But the, the amazing thing about this story is uh, they were in Ireland uh, for their grandfather's funeral. And what they later found out is uh, the day they saved these two potential drowning victims was the exact same day 64 years earlier when their great-grandfather had drowned at sea. And they were suddenly struck that they were drawn into a story that was much greater than their own choosing. And uh, as the movie unfolds, uh, Miles tries to stay on the outskirts, as you'll see in this next scene, but he can't quite accomplish that. So, uh, against his better wishes, uh, Miles is drawn into the story. Uh, Spider-Man commissions him to take the collider key and go and destroy it, save uh, Brooklyn. And uh, after commissioning Miles, Spider-Man is left to answer to Kingpin, who in a fit of rage smashes the life out of him. And again, in this scene, not only does destiny uh, bring things upon us, but it brings this question out. Does God pull people into dramas that they didn't choose? Uh, that's a far different question because there's intentionality there. Does God draw people into dramas that they didn't choose for themselves? Uh, think of uh, Jesus carrying the cross through Jerusalem and uh, he's faltering under the weight of the cross, exhaustion from his torture and his suffering, and uh, he falls to the ground. The Roman soldiers grab a guy out of the crowd, Simon of Cyrene, and suddenly uh, he's carrying the cross of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Talk about being drawn into a drama that is bigger uh, than what we would plan. Uh, another question that comes out of the scene is, does God have purpose and significance for our lives that we might uh, that might be beyond what we would choose for ourselves? Uh, do we have a role to play? And if so, uh, what are the consequences of opting out of that role? Uh, who loses? Uh, who suffers when God calls us and invites us to something that's bigger than ourselves and we choose not to do it? You know, the Bible is filled with examples of people who wrestle with this tension. Uh, think about Jonah uh, running 180 degrees opposite from where God had called him to go. Uh, think of Moses after God reveals himself in this burning bush, explains the great thing that he has in store for his people, and he's going to use Moses to do it. Uh, Moses comes to this conclusion, God, you've got the wrong person. Choose somebody else. Uh, Gideon, when uh, the angel of God approaches him, finds him hiding out in the wine press, addresses him as a mighty warrior. And uh, Gideon's response is, uh, I think you're talking to the wrong guy. Uh, Peter, you know, the spokesperson of the 12 disciples, when he realizes the immensity of who Christ is and what he's calling him to, Peter says, Lord, depart from me, for I am an evil Man, and uh, all these dynamics are, are brought out in this young kid named Miles who's uh, being caught up in a drama, called to a significant role that he never would have planned for himself. So uh, 
Miles flees the scene of the confrontation, uh, and he's pursued by the evil prowler. And uh, in this scene, one of the most significant ones uh, in the movie, uh, Brooklyn is called to deal with the aftermath of the apparent death of Spider-Man. Check it out. So that's a great scene. Uh, Miles decides that he needs to step into his calling. And uh, the way that he uh, imagines that should happen is he needs to have the right suit. He needs to uh, buy a Spider-Man suit. So he has this interaction with the character behind the counter who uh, really represents the author of the Marvel series, Stan Lee. And uh, he's asked, Miles asks this question when he buys the Spider-Man suit, can I return it if it doesn't fit? Uh, you know, that's an important question. Uh, do, if I choose to step toward uh, this assignment, if it doesn't work out, can I return the suit? And to which uh, Stan Lee's response is, well, it always fits eventually. And uh, that's kind of a provoking uh, response. It always fits eventually. And the question is, uh, does it always fit eventually? Uh, what about those seasons where we go through, uh, like Miles, we don't want the expectations that God might put on us. We don't want to be the chosen people, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We just want to be normal. And uh, does the calling and the assignment of God eventually uh, fit into our lives? Well, listen to some of these truths from the New Testament. First Thessalonians 5, verse 24 uh, reads, The one who calls you is faithful. And he will, you could say, eventually do it. Uh, Paul writes to his friends in Philippi, and he says, being confident of this, that God, he who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until it eventually fits, until the day of Christ Jesus. And again, in Paul's letter to his friends in Rome, he simply writes, for the gifts, God's gifts and his call, are irrevocable. They can never be withdrawn. You know, that's important stuff for those of us who wrestle with uh, living out the high calling, the plans, and the purposes of God. We struggle with that tension uh, between the things God has called us to do. We sense that he wants us to do, uh, but there's a reluctance. There's a side of us that uh, doesn't want to pay the price and make the sacrifices to step into those things I uh, love some of the insight that we hear in this scene where uh, Mary Jane is eulogizing her, her husband, uh, Peter Parker, in a speech. Here's what she says about him. She says, my husband, uh, Peter Parker, was an ordinary person. He always said it could have been anyone behind the mask. That's a really key insight uh, into this movie. He always said it could have been anyone behind the mask. He was just the kid who happened to get bit. And uh, there's that allusion again to the uh, getting bit by the radioactive spider and becoming, morphing into something other than what we were. You know, uh, I was reminded last week, we profiled the true story of a woman named Phyllis Sorter uh, who has served the Fulani people in Nigeria for decades. And uh, as a child growing up in Mozambique, uh, Phyllis uh, tells the story of how she saw uh, black people uh, being uh, oppressed, uh, being marginalized. Uh, it was in the height of apartheid, and there was something in her as a child that just said, this isn't right. 
uh, this cannot last, and somebody needs to do something about this. Well, uh, Mary Jane goes on and eulogizing her husband, Peter. She says, he didn't ask for his powers, but he chose to be Spider-Man. My favorite thing about Peter is that he made us each feel powerful. That's an incredible dynamic of a humble response to the call of God. Uh, He made each of us feel powerful. We all have powers of one kind or another, but in our own way, we are all Spider-Man, and we're all counting, uh, you might say, on each other. Uh, These are important statements, and they really do highlight uh, the message of this movie. Uh, You know, most heroes don't ask to be put in situations that call for them to do heroic things, but they do have the choice to make. Like those brothers on the coastline, they chose to risk their own lives to save others. Uh, And I love what uh, MJ says about Peter. She says, he made each of us feel powerful, that we all have powers of one kind or another. Will we choose to utilize them? A good question here would be, is that true? As a follower of Christ, do we all have special powers that we can choose whether to use or not? Uh, Listen to Peter's words. He would write his own failures uh, to his friends. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, uh, Miles dealing with these issues, weighing whether or not he's going to respond to the call, he begins reading up on the Spider-Man comic books trying to figure out how it is he would uh, use his special powers and abilities to help others. And uh, he realizes that uh, maybe he needs to be mentored. And uh, in this next scene, uh, he has his first encounter with Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man from a different dimension. And uh, here's the beginning of their partnership. Well, you got to love the beginning of that mentoring relationship. Uh, one of my favorite lines from that interaction is uh, Miles says, that, you know, the other Peter said he was going to be showing me the ropes. You got any Spider-Man tips you can be showing me now? And uh, here's what he gets. Uh, yeah, uh, disinfect the mask. You're going to want to use baby powder in the suit. Heavy on the joints. You don't want any chafing. Miles asks, anything else? Nope, that was everything. And he concludes, uh, this is not going to be a good mentoring relationship. Uh, But they do plan the next step in their adventure. The last collider key that Miles allowed to be destroyed, they need to replace it if they're going to stop this collider from being fired up. And so uh, their plan is to break into the Alchemy Advanced Science Labs, hack into a computer, and get the info they need to make a new collider key. Well, it doesn't come off without a hitch. Uh, They decide they need to steal the whole computer and try to get out of the labs uh, unnoticed, and uh, here's the scene. Okay, well, uh, we're coming to the point in the movie where Miles is quickly learning uh, that failure is a big part of the process of uh, living into the greater purposes and calling uh, that may come into our lives. In fact, uh, in this next scene, uh, all the characters we introduced earlier show up in Miles's room, and they have a conversation uh, about his lack of readiness. Talk about being put on the spot. 
And uh, Miles is having to face the fact that he just simply does not have what it takes uh, to live up uh, to the great duty and the assignment that has come into his life. And if you, uh, if you have ever felt like you come up short with uh, whom God is calling you to be and what he's calling you to do, you're in good company. And uh, so uh, yet another fail is about to come upon uh, Miles. He, uh, he finds himself fleeing from the prowler. And unfortunately, he flees right to Aunt May's house where the entire cast of spider characters are hiding out. And uh, as he flees, he's leading all the bad guys uh, right to their location. There's this uh, incredible knockdown drag out that takes place. Uh, Miles, as he usually tries to do, he grabs the collider key and uh, flees to stay on the outside. He ends up being chased uh, up onto the roof where he's followed by his uncle Aaron, a.k.a. Prowler. He grabs him by the throat. And as he tears off his Spider-Man mask, he realizes that the person he has by the throat is his nephew, uh, Miles Morales. And uh, when he sees uh, his nephew, looks him in the eye, he just can't bring himself uh, to finish him off. And instead, in his moment of delay, he gets shot by Kingpin. And uh, as Miles watches his uncle Aaron, the Prowler, die, they have this important dialogue that takes place between the two of them, uh, his uncle with his dying breasts. He says, Miles, you're the best of all of us. Uh, you're on your way, kid. You're on your way. Just keep going. Uh, keep going. And uh, in this next clip, uh, Miles is dealing with the death of his uncle, the aftermath of yet another dismal failure and trying to do uh, what he promised Spider-Man he would do. And uh, check it out in this next clip. So, uh, Miles continues to deal uh, with this sense of uh, personal inadequacy, uh, the great expectations that he knows has uh, come into his life. Again, a dilemma uh, so many of us wrestle with at different points throughout our lives. It can be in our marriages, on our jobs, in our occupations. But um, uh, in this interaction, uh, Miles uh, begins to wonder, uh, will I ever be ready to do the things that I seem to have grasped are part of who I am. And uh, he asked this question to Peter Parker, when will I know that I'm ready? Uh, when will I know that I'm ready to do things without fouling them up, getting people killed? And uh, the response he gets is, you won't, Miles. It's a leap of faith. That's all it is, Miles. It's a leap of faith. And, uh, you know, this is a uh, Again, uh, an important insight to come to is that there are some things that uh, God is working in our lives that simply will not come to pass unless we're willing to take that leap into the unknown. It's like Peter stepping out of the boat and when he hears Jesus say, uh, come, uh, join me. It takes a leap of faith. And, uh, you know, in this scene, you got Miles uh, bound up uh, in his cords, uh, He's uh, even got webs over his mouth, and uh, you get the feeling uh, that there's something dramatic that needs to happen for Miles uh, to get to that place of readiness uh, where he's capable of taking a leap of faith. And again, metaphorically, that's a picture where so many people uh, end up bound, uh, tied up, limited by their own failures, their history, 
not feeling like they have a voice, like that web over the mouth of Miles. And you got to ask the question, what changes that? Uh, how do we go from that place uh, to where we're ready to take that next uh, quantum leap? Well, uh, we get a glimpse of that in this next scene. Well, of all the scenes that portray uh, what it is that allows Miles and us uh, to take that leap of faith, uh, to move from that place of being restrained and restricted and uh, not having a voice uh, to one where we're actually fulfilling uh, those, those callings, those good works that God has in store for us. It really comes down uh, to Miles' interaction with his dad. Love this dialogue as uh, dad shows up one side of the door, Miles bound up uh, nearing the other side. Uh, his dad says, Miles, can we talk? Uh, sometimes uh, things happen. People drift apart. I don't want that to happen to us. I know I don't always do what you need me to do or say what you need me to say. I see the spark in you. It's amazing. And I love how when his dad speaks those words, uh, something changes in the heart of Miles. Uh, it's why I push you. And uh, it's what uh, every child needs to hear and feel from their dads. Uh, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. And uh, his dad says, uh, Miles, this, this spark in you is yours. And whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Uh, look, call me when you can, okay? I love you. And you don't have to say it back. And see, it's that spark, uh, that spark of affirmation, uh, acceptance, uh, whatever you choose to do with this gift, Miles, uh, it'll be great. It changes. Uh, Miles goes through a transformation. It's almost instantaneous. And this dilemma in his head, this uh, conflict, uh, begins to change from one of self-doubt and negativity. He starts reflecting on the positive affirmations that people have spoke into his life. I see the spark in you. Whatever you choose to do, his mom saying our family doesn't run from things. His uncle, you're the best of us, Miles. You're on your way. Just keep going. Uh, when do I know I'm Spider-Man? And these words from Peter Parker, you won't. It's a leap of faith. That's all it is, Miles. It's a leap of faith. And uh, we see that based on the affirmation of his dad, the love he experiences from him, uh, something uh, morphs inside of Miles, that spark, you see it in his eyes, translates out into his body, and uh, as he uh, emerges with a new sense of confidence and uh, who he is in, in his dad's eyes and his calling, uh, he exits the room, and there's a song uh, playing in the background. It has the words uh, like, what's up, danger? I'm right here at your door. I won't leave. I want more. I like tall buildings so I can leap off of them. And I go hard no matter how dark it is. Come on, what's up? Danger. And you might think, well, that's kind of a cocky attitude. But uh, imagine uh, the boy David uh, when he stood in front of Goliath and he said, uh, who are you uh, to uh, come against the living God? And he had the same sense of empowerment that we see pulsing uh, through the mind and the heart of uh, Miles Morales. Well, uh, this morning, I really believe as we've uh, processed through uh, this great story of a, a superhero, that there's so many touch points in our own life. Uh, but I believe that the number one thing uh, that God uh, would want to speak to us and speak to you is that uh, he loves you. 
with an undying love and he believes in you. And uh, just that affirmation uh, coming from the Spirit of God that says you are loved, you are completely loved, you are made and designed by him, you are formed in the image of God and created for good works that you should walk in them. That's a God thing, but it's powerful and it's very real and it can happen in the inside of our souls as we lean into, like Miles, leaning into that door to hear what his dad has to say. Well, uh, as we come to the end uh, of our run through this movie and this uh, teaching, this next clip uh, highlights uh, the dramatic difference that happens uh, when we, uh, with, you know, I, I re was reminded of when Jesus embarked upon his ministry before he ever did any of his miracles or teaching, he heard this voice boom from heaven that said, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he went out in the power of God's spirit. Well, uh, let's watch this final clip and we'll end with a few comments. So as we uh, come to the end of the movie, we have uh, Miles uh, functioning in his gifts and his talents, using his spider gifts to help others. And uh, you also see this wonderful uh, reconnection between Miles and his dad. Uh, they may not uh, see everything eye to eye, but gone is that sense of distance and separation. And uh, really, you could summarize uh, the main points uh, of this great movie uh, with these uh, comments. Uh, the truth is God does call us to serve in ways we may not choose. Uh, there are dramas unfolding around us every day, and some of them, uh, you're the hero that God uh, wants to pull into those dramas. And uh, the truth, again, is we all have special abilities, as Peter wrote uh, to his friends scattered throughout the Roman Empire, to use our special gifts to help and to serve others. And uh, as we see portrayed uh, probably as much as anything else, there's a learning curve. And uh, we simply won't learn uh, how to serve others well using our God-given gifts and abilities until we engage in the effort. And, uh, and this final wonderful truth, love empowers us. It's the one thing that uh, ignites uh, those latent gifts and strengths within each of us when we realize how deeply and completely our creator God loves us. Uh, we'll end with this wonderful quote uh, by Miles Morales as the movie comes to a close. He says this, my name is Miles Morales. I was bitten by a radioactive spider, and for like two days I've been the only one and only Spider-Man. I never thought I'd be able to do any of this stuff, but I can. And then this uh, wonderful application, anyone can wear the mask. You can wear the mask. If you don't know that, if you didn't know that before, I hope that you do now. And uh, that really echoes my heart. I wonder if you would join me in a prayer as we close uh, this story together. Father, thank you for the great love that is in your heart for all people. Uh, your desire, Lord, is that everyone should know your goodness and no one should perish. And we just want to thank you today for that all-encompassing love. Uh, but I pray, God, that by your spirit, you'd go beyond that, that grand and all-encompassing sense of your love and you'd make it specific, God, that you would speak to individuals, Lord, uh, who may, uh, may be living on the outskirts of what it is you have for them 
Or maybe, Lord, they've lived all their lives like Phyllis Order, with this sense of, uh, of a calling, an assignment, but not knowing uh, what to do with it, uh, how to live that out, Lord. And then uh, we know that uh, there's a great spectrum uh, of responses to you and your plans and purposes, but we know that all of them, uh, we move along the way, we're empowered, we're strengthened, we're liberated when we sense how deeply in our hearts we are loved by you. And so I pray, God, uh, that you would use this simple story uh, to reconnect us in a powerful and a meaningful way with yourself. And uh, Lord, as we plug in to you, that those gifts, those callings, those special talents, those abilities that are powerful uh, for bringing your life and your love to others would be activated and actuated. And Lord, may we, may we find support in a community of others like ourselves who've been bitten by the spider. We know we don't just live for ourselves. We live for you and your kingdom purposes. May we find ways to strengthen and encourage one another along the way. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, well, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, for this uh, trip through one of my favorite stories about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Uh, would like to invite you, uh, before I let you go, invite you to join us in our mission of reaching as many people as we possibly can with the hope of Jesus Christ. One of the ways you can do that would be to go to our website, arlingtonfm.com, read about how God uses our collective efforts of giving to accomplish his work in the world, and uh, we will see you right here next week.